You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time at www.thefireplacechurch.com. Dot org and um, we're now streaming that actually not only to YouTube and uh, which which then portals into our own website but also um, at least some Sundays to Facebook <laughs> so if you have caught the fireplace search on like my personal Facebook page or the ministry Facebook page we're we're trying to begin to port out the uh, fireplace church services as many ways as possible and hopefully. And keep in mind this thing. If you catch it somewhere else, say on Facebook, still visit thefireplacechurch.org and click the button so that you can participate in groups after the service. Don't just settle for the live stream, folks. Get some fellowship. Now, I am really excited. I've I, I mentioned this before. I'm going to say it again. We are not too far out from the release of our new website. And... Uh, it's 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 going to be pretty pretty snazzy, um, definitely updated, uh, easier to navigate. There'll be more resources getting added uh, going forward. It's going to facilitate a much more streamlined process for signing up for courses or conferences. Um, it, it it's just really really beautiful. I am so excited about it. And so, you know, keep an eye out for that. BrideMovement.com is getting an update. Now, guys, I, um, I am going to have a very special guest on with me today, Hope. She's going to be joining me for the third part in the telling of her story. We are really 
Well, excited about that. She has so much to share. I am not going to be talking very long right now. I, I, uh, I, I don't have too much to say other than, you know, the, the, the normal stuff. We are trying to press in to the things that we know God has for us, which includes, you know, um, branching out into more and more exploits. Of course, we are continuing to, you know, help survivors, and uh, we have a long list. We're, we're trying to take people off that list as we are financially able to. We want to save up at the same time to build a DID coaching school or some kind of platform that will educate people on how this ministry is done. Um, and and so, you know, in addition to that, we just have operating costs, which include the production of the Fireplace Church every week. Folks, um, we are so grateful for those of you that continue to support us, and you can do that at bridemovement.com or at thefireplacechurch.org, or you can write to us, P.O. Box 6173, Texarkana, Texas 75. With that said, we're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and I am sitting down for a third time with Hope. And I am really excited because Hope is a survivor of satanic ritual abuse, government sponsored mind control agenda. She is an Illuminati defector, and I will tell you, in her first two interviews, she has just done a spectacular job of articulating very difficult things. She has articulated memories and experiences that she has survived, and um, she is not done talking yet. I I do want to, at the outset of this program, give a trigger warning. Uh, as with the first two programs, there's going to be things that are discussed in this program that uh, are going to be kind of tough and intense and hard to hear. But I am telling you what, uh, it's time, folks. You know, God is moving to break the power of ignorance in his body so that we can be part of the solution and not uh, standing by while the problems continue. So, without further ado, Hope, I just want to say uh, 
I am so proud of you for continuing to tell your story. And welcome back to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you so much, Daniel. I'm just greatly blessed to be able to be here with you today and talk about the truth of what's going on. Well, and I'll tell you what, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a holiday that many people in this country celebrate. Um, Some Christians, like myself, have begun to call it just Resurrection Sunday to put the focus on the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. But it is also known as Easter weekend. And uh, many people know it for the Easter bunny, um, baskets full of goodies for kids like candy and egg hunts and so on and so forth. I want to let you talk about it, though, because what some people don't know is that Easter is a huge day for the occult. It is a a mega ritual day. And there's a certain ignorance of this that is uh, present in a majority, I'd say, of the body of Christ. And so I want to turn it over to you and, and begin this interview talking about that before we truly jump back into your story. Sure. I really, um, I feel like it's so important for people, uh, for Christians to be aware of what happens on uh, what we call Easter um, and Good Friday um, so that they can be praying because a lot of times people are like, well, what could I do? There's nothing I can do, but actually you can pray. And I'm sure that, that the prayers are doing just miracles Um you know, when people choose to, and especially if they know specifically how to pray. Um, So for people that are SRA victims, for example, um, as far as like Good Friday, what happens for us is, you know, Christians, they celebrate, you know, that Jesus willingly died for us, uh, for our sins, but what happens in the rituals is normally there's a person that's chosen to be Jesus and they actually put them up on what looks like a cross and instead of the nails because of course that would be seen by people people would know if somebody had actually nailed them um, but they take sensors uh, electromagnetic uh, sensors and uh, they do electrocution on the person that's on the cross. They do um, just intense, intense, where you have to really um, split your mind in order to deal with it. Extreme torture with electrocution. Um, and that's the person that they choose that's on the cross. Um, now, the, all the other people that are not on the cross at that point... Um, they have to perform some kind of um, some feat or something. Normally it's um, some type of sexual act or they force them to to kill somebody or something so that we can get them down off the cross. So there's like a double bind there. It's like your, your heart doesn't want to do anything evil, but also you don't want to see this person being tortured so you really at that point are forced to do whatever they tell you to do um, because it's up to you to get that person off the cross because they're in complete and utter like 
torment and torture and intense uh, agonizing pain. Um, so whenever vi victims, whenever they go through this type of ritual, then they go to the church and, and Christians are actually celebrating that. So it's kind of a reinforcement that nobody really cares is what they say because they're actually celebrating that. Because in our minds, what we're told is that you, um, you know, you're the mixed breed, so you don't get to be saved by Jesus. Like, he didn't die on the cross for you, so we have to find an alternative for you. Um, it's all always, every second, every day is about works. Uh, and then when they go on to the, um, and I'm just pretty much doing the highlights of what they do. Um, it's all very, uh, you know, it's a long, it, Easter is really the biggest torture, the longest um, corporate you know, torture because they hate Jesus that he died and then he rose again. Even more than, um, you know, Halloween. Or, I mean, that's um, hideous time as well, but this is a much longer period of time. Um, and then on Easter, what they do is they bury people alive. Um, they bury them alive, and then, you know, I don't know if anybody... When you can't breathe, it's it's like utter terror. You know, you're suffocating, and you know, I I went through that. And um, they what they pretty much say is that if you can cause someone to raise, and what they say, raise from the dead, it's always a sexual meaning. So if you can cause them to be um, stimulated or anything like that that means you're raising them from, you know, you, you are raising them, you're giving, getting the um, ability to, to not die underneath all that dirt, and then uh, vice versa with the person that they choose to, to be Jesus, if you are sexual enough or anything like that, then they'll be able to survive. So it's just complete and total torture. And I thought, you know, when I went to church um, this Sunday, it's like, um, it's so awesome to finally see the truth of what he really did for us. Like, even though I have just a tiny, minute picture of it, it's like, after coming out of, you know, all of that, just... I think if we got a true revelation of what he did for us, it, we would just be blown away. But um, I just wanted people to really kind of have an idea of what they do in the rituals. Um, it's definitely not a good Friday for us. It's really pretty much called the uh, hell Friday. I mean, that's really because you are so tortured. But, I mean, that's just the overview of what happens on that Um and specifically, they do send people on Easter to churches uh, to pray against anybody getting any type of revelation of the cross and the resurrection because it's such a strategic. But that's like the the ultimate price that he paid for us. So they never they don't want anybody getting that revelation at all. So normally they're positioned in the back of the church um, and every and they're cursing and praying against people uh, from here actually hearing or being able to accept that message.
that is uh, really tough <laughs> to hear. Um, and, you know, Hope, I, I want to ask this question. You said people ask, what can I do? And you said they can pray. How would you recommend that people pray, knowing what you've just told us? My biggest thing I would say is to pray that somehow the Lord intervenes in the rituals, that he shows up and he does something miraculous that they can actually see that he's there. Because normally in your mind and in your spirit, you're crying out, like whether it's not out loud, of course, because you're not allowed, but you're wanting some way out. If they could just, you know, have some, like I remember um, Papa God once, he caused the lights to flicker when I was just crying at the depths of my soul for him to help me. I mean, even, you know, even small things like that gives them genuine hope that he is there and that he's going to intervene. And, and that, and, you know, specifically that their spirit would be protected and their spirit would would see what he really has done that that would would be um you know just a revelation of that and that the enemy you know would just be all of what he's put in their mind would be destroyed really i mean that's a huge thing as well i mean there's got to be people raised up to help these people because they can't get out on their own if it wasn't for people helping me i wouldn't have been able to get out so i think that that's huge. That's really good. That is really good. Well, folks, um, we're talking with Hope, and we are going to be getting back into her information, um, her story. And in the last program, and I recommend you just going back into our archives if you haven't heard it, we talked about the time frame in her life that basically went from starting kindergarten and through elementary school and um, a lot of the components of being in the family she was planted in in a community looking like the perfect american family but with so much going on under the surface um, how that played out for her in her school life home life um, and then, of course, with the cult and the things that they did in the community. And, you know, we're, we're picking this week up basically where we left off. And I, uh, I, w- I want to start with something, Hope, that you refer to as a, well, there was a divine boy that was a component of your story. And, and I want to jump back into your timeline and your story on this subject sure um so throughout my life they they would choose specific people that i would have to be paired with like that was jesus for me and there was this one particular boy he had blue eyes and blonde hair so in my mind he was perfect he was divine because he had the german um characteristics you know he had they said he had perfect bloodline so I had to breathe with him so that I could possibly get to the place to where I was good enough um, 
they never let me think that he liked me at all. That I I had to think that he he was above me. That I would never I wasn't ever skinny enough. I wasn't ever pretty enough. I wasn't ever his type because I was kind of like the dog and he was the purebred. You know. Thank you for that hope. Now, uh, you you have seen I mean so many wild things and you have some experiences on the subject of werewolves and I I want to get into that next because I think that's well something people need to actually come to grips with Mm -hmm. well there was a lot of different times that they would actually summon the demons in they would give themselves over to when they already had, but they would summon all the demons in and they would actually shapeshift into specifically a werewolf. Um, They had a werewolf mask that they made me wear and they said that I, that's what I was. Like I was this, I don't know if you ever saw the movies with the werewolves and how they had to chain them down and how they were just out of control killing people and they didn't remember that they killed people. Um, they that's who they said I was and so they put that mask on me and say you know this is who you are you're out in the middle of the night killing people um, and you don't remember what you're doing so we have to shape shift we have to go and control you Um, we're only doing this because we have to because that's who you are but they would literally shape shift and what I mean by that take on all of the traits of what a werewolf looks like and then they would hunt and so they would go we had a lot there was a lot of uh land where we were at they would go out and they would hunt and they would kill um animals of course kill people and um you know i saw them do that i saw them shape shift into um lots of different things, whatever demon that they specifically wanted to take the shape of um, because they're giving their um, their being over to that and so they shift into that I mean, you see that overseas a lot, like people they have a specific God and when they're delivered they start even with reptilian, it's like that, um but yeah, I mean that's what they did, and a lot of times how they use that against me is in the hunting, they would say, "Now it's your turn. You have to hunt." So if I didn't hunt, then I would be the one hunted. Uh, but it was just terror because you knew that they, when they found you, um, you knew what was going to happen next. And for me, it was worse having to do the hunting because it just was you know, a hideous thing for my heart to have to, to do that because, um, you're causing terror in in another person. But, um, so really the whole point of why they did that is so that I would think that I'm this evil werewolf. I'm this evil person that does all this. And that's the only reason why we're doing this is because, you know, uh, we're here and we're having to control you. Um, a, a lot of people say, well, what's wrong with these werewolf movies and what's wrong with these, um, you know, zombies and, um, 
you know, all, all the twilight and all that stuff will, it's just open the door because those lit- people literally do shift shape into those things and kill people. So it's not just something made up, just a funny or just a romantic or whatever. It, it's real. It happens. I've seen it happen. Um, and it, so. Now, I have a few questions on this subject. First of all, around how old were you when they set up the whole framework? Either you hunt or you get hunted. Um, gosh, I would say five or six. And then, you know, that was a um, kind of a theme throughout. So it wasn't just like one time that happened that happened frequently or if they took me to like a park or something um like Gatlinburg it's a place that they took me a lot that would be something that would happen during the middle of the night um because then they could cover up what they do you know a lot of the missing people are people that they've that's what's happened to them they're just not they never were found you know when people shape shift, particularly say to a wolf type form, about how long would you say the process of shifting takes? I don't think it was very long, but in my mind it took forever because it was such a hor- horrible, horrible thing to see. Um, because it just like felt like it dragged on forever but I think it was pretty pretty quickly because they would summon in all the demons and I mean this is not just one person summoning demons it's a lot of people summoning in demons to take control and to switch this person you know but it's the person is always a willing person that wants that to happen And are you aware of what kind of initiations would precede a person being able to walk in this kind of ability or power? Well, one thing that Papa God had to make me very aware of um, is that these people that I'm talking about are people that they weren't ever tortured they weren't ever abused. They weren't ever anything like that happened to them. That's not the reason why they chose this. They chose willfully knowing who God is and knowing about him, reading, and knowing a lot about the Bible, knowing all of that. But in their pride, they chose to give the creation of who God made them to be to Satan. So then they stop being a creation of God because they willfully, that's the only way that that could happen is because they willfully say, not because they've been hurt, but because they just want the pride and they want you know, think about Satan, you know, switching into serpent or switching into whatever he wants to to be, appear as I mean that he gives that ability to his children because at that point they've that's what they want to be. Um, they 
given themselves their creation of who God made them to be completely and totally over. And would you uh, say this is? I'm, I'm actually just asking questions. And some of my questions are based on things I've heard other people say. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just actually curious about from your That's angle. Fine. Yeah. Would Would you su- say that shape shifting? whether it's to a snake or to a wolf or to any other kind of form, would then lead to enhanced magical powers in that person. Yeah, definitely, because they get like a, a demonic rush. And I think that um, it causes more demonic power when they do that, because it's really more and more and more they're becoming that instead of, you know, this person form, you know, that, that, so totally, I totally believe that that, that is correct. And did you ever see people in that form, um, manifesting abilities like teleportation or was it pretty static? You know, they just shapeshifted and then hunted and killed animals and people and it was all very terrestrial. Well, I- they really used that to kind of cause me to feel like I was nuts, really. I mean, because they would, they, I, I think sometimes it was just them astral projecting, but they would be there and then they wouldn't be there. But in my mind, I, it's even hard to talk about it now because it's like they so tortured my mind to think that you're, you're absolutely nuts, like you're absolutely crazy that can't happen you know they they really 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 never want anybody to know that they have the capability of doing that um because that's one of the uh things that they use a lot now when you were growing up you lived on cornfields um And you had programmers in your immediate vicinity around whatever. Um, How did they create a scenario where, I mean, this was just continuing to remain undetected your whole childhood? Right. Well, um, there was tons of cornfields behind the house and even behind that there was another farm uh, with no houses or anything like that and then in front was a farm with no houses or anything like that and then there was a house to the side to one side and a house to the other side and both of those were programmers Uh, one of them was very much a witch uh, like high up witch um and I, I would get tortured by them. And then the other one was um, a programmer, and they had a police officer that lived there so that they could really protect that area, and they would know if there was anybody even remotely coming around. Um, so they were... I mean, of course, they use demons to kind of let them know when people are coming around because they, um, 
you know, ask for that information, uh, but that they had those those things in place uh, so that there would never ever be any possibility anybody could come near. Um, so yeah, and the cornfields, I mean, that's a huge thing. Anybody, there's some horror films with children of corn and things like that, and all of that's ritualistic. It's completely rituals. I mean, most of the horror movies now are, are from rituals. Is there something about corn, or is that just because there's so many corn fields in America? Um, well, it's, it's shaped like a phallic symbol, so they use that, and they, you know, there's, um, there's re- ways that they use that, so they use that in uh, sexual rituals and things like that, but, uh, and there's some gods that they feel like kind of it opens up more in the cornfields that it kind of opens more of like a portal or an access point. So. Mm. Um, now, uh, talk to me a little bit more about high school. Because in the, in the last program, Hope, we got into a lot on elementary school times mm-hmm. and, and, and all of that. We ended with the idea that you had to play the perfect role. Um, you were queen, mm-hmm. uh, band queen, uh, basketball queen. You couldn't be the prom queen or, I mean, the homecoming mm-hmm. um, right. queen. Uh, but talk to me a little bit more about high school and how all of that was playing out for you by the time you reached your teenage years. Okay, so um, every single person I had any connection with was a victim. I wasn't allowed to talk to or be around anybody that was not a victim. And if that I did have any contact, they would say, uh, they would somehow discredit them in my mind. Um, but in, as far as teachers, the only teachers that I was allowed to be in their classroom was was programmers so they had specific programmers that were um, teachers within the school so every person that I had any type of time with was somebody that had been torturing me so I never had an opportunity for that to be broken down at all it was just a continual thing Um, you know in high school they chose one Jesus um, for me, um, and it was, um, you know, just getting, we would be ritualized together a lot, um, you know, have to mate, and then um, they would bring in other girls that would mate, so they called a lot of jealousy on purpose, and a lot of uh, work work um, to try to be good enough and act good enough. But, I mean, nobody would have ever had thought that that was going on because, like I said, they really the product that they wanted to have was this person that was, like, had the perfect life, had the perfect family. Um, I was a cheerleader. Um, I was, you know, band queen, 
basketball queen, um, but it always was to an extent. They never ever wanted me to get too good at anything because then I would start having thoughts about, wow, I'm good at something, you know? They wanted me to always be pushed down and, and feel like I needed them every second of every day. Um, so nothing to where I would exceed at anything um, to, to a, a greater degree. And upon completing high school, what happened? Well, um, at that point, you know, there was two other, um, two other boys in the home. One of them um, had left um, before me, and then one of them was younger than me. Um, like I said, I was really chosen as his mom. Um, I had to pretty much raise him. Um, they got him into running, a lot of running, um, and that was to to really uh, push the programming of, you know, you have to run the race and win the race, and he had to be good enough. And now he was. Um, they said the whole time that he was a pure breed as well. He had blonde, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, so with us, he. I had a very, very deep bond with him because they, um, I felt that motherly love kind of towards him, but then also they caused a deep hatred as well because um, um, it's like I was forced to, to be his handler and everything that I did ended up hurting him, but everything I I was doing I was trying to help him and so it was just kind of the, the hatred towards my help myself I, then I was feeling it towards him because you know I'm having to do all these evil things and I don't want to do them you know um, so at that point um, they were trying to cause like a wedge there because anytime you get too bonded with anybody or at all like they don't want to get too close. They will always want you to think you're completely alone. So uh, that was a one, of, one of the reasons. Um, um, they sent me to a college. Um, and of course, at the college, they um, made me study psychology. Now, when I say made me study, they were doing rituals and doing... Um, just testing on my brain, testing on uh, how I was reacting in this in the situations that I was in, and if I was uh, maintaining the programming and things like that. So the there were two different uh, programmers there at the um, college that were really in charge of me. Uh, one of them, he was very much. Um, lot of uh, uh, classes and stuff about um, uh, 
sexual activity and, and sexual um, behavior and, and things like that. Um, and at the same time, after the classes, they would be doing rituals and torture to see the, the information they could get from that. So they were. It was. It was like they had a product. They were constantly trying to tweak and trying to make and see how it would stand up. Um, and you know, the big gatherings is where they choose to send you um, to show that off. Um, so, you know, it was psychology. So, so most of it was trying to get in, like. Uh, the different, um, trying to think like, like Pavlov, mm -hmm. you know, see Pavlov, he did this to the dog. So it's really not that bad that we, um, we shock you because we're just trying to condition you and make you into what, um, you need to be. And we want you to say what we want you to say when we say, tell you to say it. Um, so it's really not that big a deal. See, Pavlov did it, so it's a normal thing. And they moved to connect that to the hospital programming from your early age. How did that happen? Yeah, it's, um, of course, they, um, they've already set that foundation, you know, and without that foundation, they wouldn't have been able to do any of the other stuff. So really, they recreate those situations to where, you know, you see a you see a color, and it's the same color that you saw in the hospital. And when you saw that color, you know that you're getting ready to uh, be electrocuted because at that point, if you don't let one of the parts come out and act like everything's perfect, then this is what's going to happen. So they use colors, they use sounds, they use smells, all of those things. Did I answer your question? I'm going to go off there. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's it, absolutely. And so they were linking it, they were using... So, so that suggests that there was some collaborative effort between what happened in the hospital and what was still being done to you by the time you're in college. There's Literally, a continuation. Yeah. Continuation, because they've set all the groundwork there because that's the foundational years. They, you know, that's really your thinking pattern is gonna, that's when it starts um, and they lay those pathways or whatever. But um, yeah, they continually they play off that same thing, but they're always trying to find better ways to program and to see if certain things work and certain things don't. Um, so at what point did they assign you the psychiatrist? Okay, so right about, um, I was right about 19 years old and in college, and I was starting to, to break down. I was having a lot of depression, um, a lot 
of things were just starting to break down to where I couldn't function like I had been at such a high pace because at this point, you know, I was full-time student. I was um, a college university cheerleader. Um, I, you know, there was a lot that was going on and I was having, but it was starting to really break down and so what they started to do is they started to starve me and tell me that I had to to begin starving myself or I was going to have to go uh, back to the hospital um, because I I was having to starve myself from being that evil person they said so I you know to the college people it looked like I had anorexia it looked like you know I was just losing all this weight you know, got down to about 90 pounds and uh, 85, 90 pounds. And, you know, just, uh, you know, I was in dance. I was in cheerleading. I was in all these things. I was in a sorority. Um, but they had specific pe- victims that I connected with in sorority. They had picked uh, a, a, a guy that was another uh, victim and that I was like my Jesus there. Um and this perfect facade was starting to not, you know, I was starting to really, like, not be able to do everything, you know. And um, so they found another, found, I'm sure they had him all, to, all the time, but there was a, a psychiatrist that they told me if I bred with him, Um, that he would make me perfect again and that that was his you know that was his job is like he was there to care for me and to me back to a place where I continue to you know do everything that I had to do to keep from being evil Um, so under the guise of you know this college student has anorexia they took me to him and he was um, over a hospital, so he had access to a children's hospital. Um, so he would take me into the back rooms in that hospital and do torture, uh, you know, reprogramming. He would bring little kids in there and do a, a lot of things to try and take pictures to try to, um, you know, cause more double bonds of, you know, thinking again from that bottom level programming that I'm this child molester, I'm this evil person. Um, so it was really their their way of trying to reprogram and get all that because I was starting to have memories. Um, and they were coming a little at a time, but what they started doing is uh, the people that they wanted to destroy, they started pro- uh, bringing, uh, doing like uh, rituals with their faces over their faces so that anytime I, I was raped they would see like the pastor's face or anytime that I was shocked they would see I would see the pastor's wife um, so they were as those memories were coming up that's what I was seeing but it was actually they were programming that on top of things so that you know that I wouldn't expose them now you know this 
now, when you were back there, what was it like to be inside of your head? Because, you know, um, you've been able to process through so much by this point. You are giving us a, a, a fairly clear perspective. But, I mean, inside of your head at 19, 20, 21, what's going on? Well, at that point, I really think that I was... Um, there was a torment beyond that I can't even explain because I was trying to keep the programming going, you know, trying to keep that going because if I didn't, I was going to get tortured more. I was going to get hurt more or other people would get hurt of everything's perfect. But something was just like, I was like, something's wrong. Like, I mean, I was suicidal the whole entire time. Um, but they always made it seem like well, we're perfect. I don't really know why this is going on. Like, why, why are you so messed up? And why are you having all these issues? Um, so it was more really in my mind was like condemnation and um, just, I, I, it's hard to explain. I just, it was like a, just a torment all the time because I was the denial was starting to break down and all of these memories were starting to come back um, but then they were torching with the, all these other people's faces so it was like um, really living in hell I mean just like the rest of my life was but um, you know, it's really the beginning of Papa God getting me where I am today. My goodness. You know, and, and that's, um, I think, it's just so good for you to explain because, you know, Hope, there are a lot of people, there may be people listening to this program that are in the process of having programming break down. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely helpful to know what happens when programming begins to break down. Because what that means is, hey, I'm not crazy. My program's breaking down. Mm-hmm. And now I can explain why the condemnation, the confusion, the guilt. Yeah, and I just, you know, I have extreme compassion for somebody that's going through with that because it's, it's so difficult because you are kind of in, it, it's just hard to understand. But, I, you know, what I would say is trust yourself. Like, God's going to bring out what the truth is. It's his promise to us. And there's, he will sort it all out. You know, but don't push it down, like allow it to, to come out because the more and more you do that, the more and more free you're going to get because like this is, it's the truth that will set you free. You know, in the midst of it, it feels horrible, but it's really the path that will bring the most freedom. Amen. Now, hope. As, as someone that works with a, a number of survivors, I, 
I recognize that there are several types of places that seem to serve as mm, pretty consistent locations of programming. Um, they do programming in hospitals, mm -hmm. which has been a component of your story. They, they do programming in universities and colleges. A again, a, a component of your story. A lot of programming happens in military bases. Mm -hmm. Now, we haven't talked about military bases specifically um, as we've been, you know, going through your story. But I, I want to bring up the subject now and just ask, well, was this a part of your experience or not? Yeah, I mean, I really... There was a lot of military programming in mine, a lot of German military programming. Most of the time, people came in like in a like a soldier-looking uniform, um, and they would, I would have to perform like a soldier. You know, um, you know, it was really hard because I never really knew where I was. Um, like physically, um, I mean, I could see things around me and sounds and smells and stuff like that. But um, one place I do know that they took me is I, I do know that they did take me to like the area, you know, the, the area where they do. All, there's so much about the extraterrestrial and all the alien stuff. I, I do know that they did that because they did a lot of programming um it more for me it was like kind of in a underground is what it felt like underground um and with that a lot of it was um a lot of electrocution deprivation um it really seeing how I would react, um, you know, dropping water on my forehead uh, one drop at a time over and over and over and then pairing it, pairing that sound or that feeling to sexual parts, um, pairing the clock with sexual parts. Um, you know, so then when you hear that, there's like a terror because that uh, feeling always made you feel like out of control and they made that on purpose. But um, so, yeah, I definitely know without a doubt it was there was military bases. It's hard to tell a lot of times and the Lord's revealed some different things to me, but all the different military bases they took me to. Now, in Kentucky, they did take me to a couple different ones because he was a uh, college professor, supposedly, um, on the base, and um, they did, you know, military programming there as well. Got it. So, um, folks... Hospitals, colleges and universities, military bases, they have consistently been reported to me as locations of programming. Um, now Hope's confirming all three in her story. It's just real, folks. It is 
the reality of the situation. I want to come back now to something that you had mentioned because you said they began to layer the faces of people uh, that you know they wanted to set you up against as they were torturing you. Right. What did that lead to? So when they when they began to do that, um, I literally was having all of these memories with this pastor, but it just I was getting worse and worse and worse. And so um, they started taking me to hospitals to do more foundational work to try to rebuild the programming and the mind control. Um, one of the first places they took me to was uh, Minerith Meyer in Texas, which is a Christian, um, you know, it's a Christian hospital. Uh, they had a psychiatrist that I was assigned to there as a programmer, and he was really uh, feeding off the program when I was little, they would show me different um, people getting killed and, um, you know, different things, and then they would say I was completely crazy, and then I was nuts, and then I, I dreamed it all up, and that I just have a mental issue, and that eventually I would end up there forever because that's just, I was crazy. Um, so he, his job was to get this diagnosis of, you know, that I'm paranoid schizophrenic and, um, that's who I am. And I was going to end up there forever if I didn't stop allowing these things to come back, you know? So I was there for a while and, you know, it just more and more memories started coming back more and more, you know, constantly. Um, and then they took me to, um, to Rafa, you know, in Texas. They took me there. They had one, uh, a man specifically um, that was programming me there. Used a lot of Neil Anderson's kind of work of, you know, I am a child of God. I am a saint. I am, you know, all of that. And they said, um, I am means you're God. So if you believe any of this, then you're going to have to be God. Now, you know what God does. He's the one that decides who lives or dies. So that's going to be your job is decide who lives or dies. Do you want to believe, you want to believe that now? Do you want to believe that? You know, I am a saint. I am a, don't believe any of that. Or you're going to have to be the one that decides who gets killed and who doesn't. Um, so, you know, obviously there's some power in those words or they wouldn't have done that programming. Um, you know, and, and with the taking me to these, um, to these hospitals, they did a lot of Christian programming which they did some foundational work that way, but, you know, taking the Bible, taking scripture by scripture, and it meaning something completely different than what you guys hear in church, you know. Mm -hmm. I read a verse, and I have to see all the different things of being people being tortured, people being raped, um, 
So a lot of it was to program me. I don't think they realized the um, power of the scripture. Mm. Even though they were programming against it, I, I really believe that some of that actually seeing it, I, it did help me. I don't think they, I think they were so prideful. They didn't think that that could happen, but they literally would take verse by verse and change the words and change the, you know, what I would think and what I would feel, um, around each verse. They, they programmed in a part that was Jesus. So I had to continually, like anytime I would pray, I would have to hear from that part would tell me what to say, what to do, all of that. And so they, they create specifically Jesus parts. So a lot of people that are ministering to people need to know that. Um, they, when people start breaking down, they specifically um, create Jesus parts so that they can answer with lies instead of um, allowing the true Jesus to answer. I agree 100% with that. Oh, my gosh, hope. And... And you know, there's a there's a technique of um, you doing counseling or coaching where you you, you basically uh, lean on the verse that says, you know, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. Or um, I stand at the door and knock, and to whom opens unto me, I will come in and I will sup with him. And so you invite the true Lord Jesus Christ in to begin to minister to the person or their parts. And this is something that I use. But I have to augment this strategy because of the prevalence of fake Jesuses right. that I run into over and over and over again. Folks, these people are nuts. They go to such extents. I've, I've run into what I would call fake Jesus cloning centers where they yeah. mass produce fake Jesuses to flood a system with a constant supply of false answers, lies, and mm -hmm. confusion coming from something that looks like Jesus. Absolutely. And the horrible thing is that when working with a survivor, it's always the fake Jesus that comes up first. I don't know why. I think it's extremely unfortunate and frustrating. But if there is a fake Jesus, they're going to come up first before a person can connect with the true Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's one of the reasons why, Hope, you now refer to him as honest Jesus because of your own journey. Right. Well, and they know that. They they study people that are working with SRA. I mean, they study them. They they watch their videos and they watch everything about them. So they find out what's working. And, of course, so they want to layer in things that's going to keep that person from actually getting to the true, honest Jesus. You know, and if they say, well, um, this person's going to get killed... If you don't allow this Jesus part to speak, so that's what always what comes up first. It's a it's a protector. Wow. So we're getting there. Uh, you 
were being programmed, they were programming you with the face of this pastor. So suddenly memories show up with this pastor. Right. Um, they start sending you to these clinics. Were they preparing you to try to take the pastor down? Yeah, I believe that was their their goal. I mean, their biggest goal was to take down anybody that had, was any kind of threat to them at all. Um, and they're so prideful that they think that they can fool anybody, that they can trick anybody. So if you look at all the different places, they have a list of all the different places that are working with SRI people. And then they and they strategically send people like they uh, once you know all these the program wasn't working they they thought well we'll send her uh, to these people and um, take down this ministry you know and I mean that's normally one of their agendas is to take down ministries specifically that are getting some. Um, getting some freedom you know and so they specifically sent me to a Christian ministry they actually sent four people at the same time um, so these three other girls they had rituals with us together so they would we would all have the same agenda when we went there um, they took the music of these people they took the the manual that they had they took uh, their children's photos, their photos. They did like a demonic scan. I don't know if anybody heard of that, but what they do is they, they ask the demonics to scan that person and find the weaknesses or find the issues that they might have so that they can pinpoint those and cause them to to um, come, you know, be brought down through those weaknesses. Um, so that's what they, so really ahead of time, you're doomed when you when you're sent there because I just thought they were my new programmers um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Truman Show but it really was a transference of power I thought um, from the, the you know the control room that these uh, Christian people were the new controllers and that from that control room and they decided what happened so you know from the get-go it's already you know, all in place. Thank you for saying all of that, Hope. Um, you know, goodness gracious, I know that they've already taken several hits out on <laughs> this ministry. Mm -hmm. um, th 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 this is just the reality of the situation. But I, I want to know, okay, so you got done with Minerth Meyer, you got done with Rafa. Mm -hmm. What actually wound up happening? So at that point, I still was just a mess. I mean, I wasn't this person that could do this perfect persona anymore. I was having, starting to have these memories. Um, with these other people so they were starting to get a little freaked out I'm sure um, so they just decided they would start with a different plan and so they took um, you know they sent me to um, 
this ministry that I was telling you about to take down the ministry. Um, pretty much the programming that they said that I would be there for seven years, I would, um, in that time, I would have to earn my Jesus or my earn my person that was going to control me the rest of my life I would actually at that point get to get married which to me was the ultimate thing because that meant I'm free from the rituals in my mind I'm free from that I just have this one person that's going to control me, me and then maybe when I get married then I'm going to be this product that is good enough and that I might actually get to go to heaven at that point so it's kind of like the Rachel Leah. They they based it. They pretty much based it on that uh, from the Bible, and they said, you know, this is what God um, has planned for you. Um, he's we're sending you here. You got to work for seven years and uh, do what we tell you to do, and then you'll get your prize of your husband. Wow. But it didn't work out that way, did it? No, not at all. So, um, of course, the, the entire time mm -hmm. I was getting ministry. So I was getting more and more truth. Now, during that time, all of the truth about... I mean, like, it was just, like, layer after layer after layer. Like, they did not plan on this happening at all. But layer after layer after layer was being removed to where I had enough um, denial parts that were getting free enough to where the boomers were being what they were, with the reality, the truth about it, that, you know, my whole life from the very conception had been these programmers the entire time, you know, and that's why I was suicidal. That was why I, you know, just literally every second wanted to die and I was in complete torment all the time and, and terror. Um, so, you know, that, it, that just starts coming out. Now, during the same time, there was enough parts that were still in denial that felt like we had to, you know, do this, carry this out because you have to it's hard for people to understand but you have at that point I had had 30 years of programming mm -hmm. 30 even before I was born 30 years mm. knew nothing else other than that so even though these people were loving me they gave me a job they gave me a car they gave me a place to live all of those things i still thought they were my new programmers i just thought that this is you know but it was breaking down some the love that they were showing was breaking down the walls and the and um it was like I was just having memory after memory after memory, and the Lord was just bringing it all back. And um, I was finally to a point where it wasn't the false Jesus anymore. I was actually getting some truth, you know, from honest Jesus. And he was just hitting, you know, hitting at those lies. And, um, you know, the end result, what the only way that I... Um, was allowed to get out of that situation they told me was 
that I would have to say that, that he, that the pastor, that the minister raped me. Um, and, hmm. you know, that was, they said the only way out, the only way that at that point, because I allowed these memories to come back and all this, that, that I could still have the husband that they had promised me, you know, this is something that had been programmed in me since birth, you know, that I was looking towards. So they programmed you to take the pastor down. Mm-hmm. And then when some of the plan to plant you there began to backfire, they then threatened you on mm-hmm. top of the programming so right. that they could get their plan through the door. Right. And it was constant threats and constant torture, even during all that, because I was still going to rituals that whole time, the whole time I was there. I was still getting ministry and I was still doing that, but, and there was parts of me that was getting truth, but I was still completely still being controlled. Um, And that's what's hard for people to understand, but it's like, it's like, one lie after another lie. I mean, everything I'd ever known, everything was a lie. Everything. Not just part of my day. Every day, all day, for 30 years. So I, you know, it just shows you the power of who Papa God is and how he can really bring truth in the the most horrible situation and unravel something that's completely not possible Mm. to unravel. But, um, you know, this whole time, a lot of the things they were saying is, you know, well, we'll kill them. You know, if you don't follow through with this, we'll make you molest the children while they're sleeping. We'll, um, we'll kill the children. We'll, you know, just on and on and on. So there's always a double bind. It's like what, like, okay, what is continually? What is the the least evil decision that I can make mm. in this situation? You know, um, but there's always all of the all of the you know things that I have to do are evil, but which one is the least evil? Because that's the one I'm going to try to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so during that time, it's like I, I was getting more and more and more free, and it was just like, you know, that was what I was sent there to do. I did go t- through with, um, to the point that um, called the police, said that someone raped me, but I didn't go through with it. I said, so-and-so is the one that raped me. It was not this pastor. It was not this minister that's helped me on what they, you know, how they've helped me. It was the people that have been raping me my entire life, you know. Um, and it may sound absolutely crazy to people, but the they had already set up a scenario to where there was police involved, there was a lawyer involved, all these people there and in that space that would keep me from going against 
what they told me I had to do. So the person that came and did the rape kit was actually a police officer that had raped me, that had tortured me, and, and the detective that was doing all the, you know, was investigating it, was actually someone that was in the cult as well, and that was torture me as well so it was like no way out of this no way out um so you know i i tell them no it was of course you know they're not going to go and say well so and so is who did this to you because they're involved they're involved with it you know and so at that point um i had gotten so much healing and honestly I think what did it for me at the very depths of my being is that they forgave me this pastor and this uh, you know this couple Mm -hmm. they forgave me for not telling them before then which honestly there wasn't even it was like I wasn't even possible. It wasn't even possible for me to to have done that because it's hard to even explain that. But they forgave me. I mean, they didn't. They still love me and they still care for me. I've never in my life experienced making a mistake mm. and somebody saying, "I still love you." My you know, make, you know, making a mistake and or. Because, I mean, from from birth, if I sneeze drunk, you know, you're evil. If you don't breathe like this, you're evil. So, I mean, it's like I experience genuine love of somebody saying, you messed up and we still love you. So, at that point, all of the plans and all that. Now, I wasn't consciously, consciously aware of all of those plans while I was there. That's just something... For people to understand, I wasn't consciously carrying that out. It those were memories that were coming back too, because I was still getting tortured. Those layers were being layered and layered and layered and layered on top of them. So I mean, the Lord brought all of this truth out, all of it. And so at that point, I said, I want this. Like I want somebody that I could actually make a mistake and they would love me and not torture me and rape me and do all of these things. So at that point, I, you know, I, I left, I, you know, just asked the Lord, where am I going to go? I don't, I don't know where to go. And I pretty much just got in my car. Um, I moved about an hour from there and I got in my car every single day and I cried and I prayed and I screamed and memories were coming out and he was giving me truth. I was so terrified of people. I probably didn't have any kind of contact with people for I don't know how long because I was just so terrified of people. But he was doing the healing in me and showing me the truth of, you know, this is what they did and this is the truth about it. This is who I am that they said that, you know. And so... You know, it, it just, it was a, a long and difficult, worth worth it process, you know, that I went through. It is just incredible to hear you tell that story, Hope. I, uh, I am extremely frustrated 
that the police officer, the detective, the lawyer, because they were all cult loyal people, completely mm -hmm. subverted your justice. Yeah. That is, and, and it's not um, unique to your story that justice is getting subverted because mayors, governors, police detectives, police chiefs, uh, lawyers, and all kinds of different individuals are compromised. And, you know, the only thing I can say, folks, is that this is why God has a kingdom agenda to influence society beyond the four walls of the church because God, I believe, has a solution for injustice on these levels. And, and you know what? Um, I, for one, I'm just not going to settle for the idea that, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. We'll just, you know do our best and then die and get our pie in the sky. Like, no, no, there, there is a kingdom response. And um, some of you listening are part of it, even if you haven't figured out a grid for that calling yet. Um, Hope, I, uh, I, I just think you are so brave. And I'll tell you, God has done an amazing thing with you. And, and you know, the clarity with which you are able to I mean, recall the very, very difficult things you've been through is, is an inspiration because that means that um, if God has done it for you, he will do it for others. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like for those that are going through it or, you know, it's like it may feel like it's just way too hard. There's just no way possible. But he can. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that now I have a perfect life. I don't. I mean, my, I deal with my, my um, you know, things coming up in my dreams all day long. I have different memories and things like that. But I'm actually a free person. Like, I can make a choice. And even though that I might be afraid that I can make a choice because of all the programming, like, I am actually free. Like, it just... It's it's so worth going through that journey. Now, why don't you talk to us about a day for you right now? So, a normal day for me, just to kind of give people an idea of even, like, I've been on this journey for about 10 years, uh, but maybe a little more than that. But a normal day for me is um, normally I have to pray through things that have happened during the night because they still send things, you know, that I struggle with in my dreams. Um, and so normally I have to pray through those things and, um, you know, really pray that off for me or ask, okay, Jesus, what do I need to know about this like why do I feel this way you know and then of course you know a normal day for people is you get up you decide what clothes you're going to wear 
for me, like, it's so much better than it used to be, but, like, I still have things of, well, I can't wear red because red means um, sex. I can't wear purple because that means the queen position. Um, I can't wear pink because that's a pink prince. You know, it's like it's that thing from my head. I mean, I end up making a choice, but it's like I go through that in my day, you know. Um, and, you know, it's just, I guess what I'd like to say, it's like the little decisions that people make like are tough for people that are survivors um, because it's like memories for people now like if you hear a sound it brings up a memory if you hear a noise or you know or like a smell it's like everything everything is is a negative memory so but the neat thing about it is I actually hear honest Jesus now and that's why I was feeling that way or you know that's what's going on there you know and it's really hard as far as um, jobs you know because um, like for example one of my jobs it have to be on the phone a lot well they would shock me through the phone to try to teach me what I could say and what I couldn't say on the phone so you know you a normal day is dealing with those memories but at least I'm dealing with the truth now. You know, I'm not actually in being being physically tortured ever, 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 ever again. Folks, um, we've been listening to Hope. She has uh, just shared with us the third installment of her story. Um which is a lot of the physical 3D world stuff, the actual events that took place um, as she went through Illuminati programming. Now, is there a lot more to her story? Uh, you bet. <laughs> There's a lot more to her story. And so, you know, Hope, as we're closing out this portion of the telling of, of your information, are there any final thoughts that you want to put out there before we conclude this program yeah I would um, you know the the boys that were in the house that I was at I mean they're still being tortured they're still being hurt they're still in denial um, I, just, I ask people to pray for them I ask people to pray for the people that are, are in this hell and that people will be raised up to actually be that place for them to where they can get free step up to the plate you know hope thank you so much for joining me today for sharing for being so bold and uh, so honest folks you have been listening to discovering the truth with dan Duvall. until next time god bless and godspeed Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com. 
At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.